Hello and welcome to Happy Hour on the Fringe. Fringe Arts is Philadelphia's premier presenter of contemporary performing arts. I'm Zach Blackwood, artistic producer here at Fringe Arts, and today we invite you to join us for a happy hour deep dive into the world of theater in quarantine. Now, I don't just mean the um, idea of theater in quarantine, I'm talking about a very specific company. Uh, theater in Quarantine is a, a digital performance lab built out of an East Village closet measuring four by eight by two, just so you can really get that closet into your brain here. They host live performances every other Thursday on YouTube, and that means everything from an expressionistic musical portrait of Mother Teresa entitled I Am Sending You the Sacred Face, to an adaptation of a Polish science fiction story entitled The Seventh Voyage of Egon Tishy. That's over 20 productions that, that, that they've put forward so far. It's really prolific output in a time when I know that a lot of people uh, feel understandably challenged in generating new work. It's uh, extremely, extremely powerful. Um, their shows are free, uh, but people can donate at uh, a link that we're going to place in the uh, episode description here, as well as in our blog post. We're chatting today with some folks from Theater in Quarantine about their newest work, Blood Meal, what's next for the company, and how you can stay engaged with their work. But first, let's introduce our guests. Today, we're joined by Josh Gelb. Say hi. Hi there. Josh is the founder of Theater in Quarantine, as well as a performer and designer in Blood Meal. We're also joined by Katie Rose McLaughlin, uh, movement director and costume megamind for Blood Meal. Uh, hi, Katie Rose. Hi. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And finally, we're so happy to welcome back Philadelphia's own Scott Shepard, writer of Blood Meal. Hi, Scott. Hey, how's it going? You know, it's it's good, all things considered, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, the most forbidden question right now, <laughs> because everybody's answer is like, good-ish, and I feel bad about that, good-ish, and I feel some guilt, um, or just like abject uh, awfulness. But anyway, we're not here to talk about awfulness. Uh, one thing that's made this this week for me uh, more pleasant is, is just returning to Blood Meal, a piece that uh, debuted on uh, February 1st of this year. Um, and I want to lay down some contextual groundwork before we jump into that piece. So I was hoping, uh, Josh, can you give us a little more uh, lore about Theater in Quarantine, how this company came to be, uh, and what kind of structural and ideological elements compose the company? Well, when the stay-at-home orders came in and all the theaters shut down, I found myself with, as most people, a lot of time on my hands. And uh, this was back in last March. Uh, so I was mostly doing a lot of odd jobs around my apartment and watching you know, a lot of Zoom readings, which I wasn't particularly into. Uh, and finally, cleaning out my closet, uh, I realized that my closet had the same aspect ratio as my iPhone, uh, 16 by 9. And suddenly I began to imagine like a performance venue in that space. And kind of thinking about what we were missing in all of these Zoom readings was the full body. Uh, and Katie Rose and I, of course, come from uh, more of a physical theater background. And so we started to, to look to fill the, the void of performance uh, that was so evident. And uh, basically, we began to conceive of theater in quarantine as a sort of proscenium style performance space. We originally started making pre-recorded uh, pieces, mostly studies in movement and how uh, the digital could interact with the tactile 
and uh, ultimately began uh, pushing to live performance. And about a, a month after we launched, uh, we did our first live stream. And since then, have been performing uh, at first every other week. Now it's about every three weeks. To describe it as proscenium work, I think is really, really uh, vital in helping to to talk about what distinguishes this from from other work that's happening digitally. It feels very, very live. It feels very, very rigorous in its uh, consumption or in its construction, and it does really, really lean on the whole body. I. I I'm just really, really impressed with all of the work that I've seen so far. And the work really challenges the limitations of digital theater and its liveness and its rigor. I was just really, really impressed with it. I cannot more highly encourage everyone at home to go check this out. Um, can you can you give us some background? And Scott and Katie, feel free to jump in about um, how this creative team came together for Blood Meal and how Scott and Katie Rose entered the fold of theater in quarantine. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so like Josh said at the very uh, beginning when Josh you know, painted his closet white and Mm -hmm. reinforced it with some plywood and said, I think I have a theater. Um, We've been making work. Um, I came on as co-creative director in what, May-ish? Yeah, somewhere around that. Somewhere somewhere around that. Um, So Josh and I have been running Theater in Quarantine together since then. Um, And, but before that, Josh and Scott had worked on a piece um, called Topside, which I encourage everyone to check out, um, and had such a great experience. The piece was amazing um, that that Josh and Scott have been talking. I'm sort of answering for both of them. They've been talking ever since. Um, and I, I want to say that we started having formal conversations about Blood Meal um, in like December-ish, November, December-ish. Um, Scott, do you want to jump in? Sure. Yeah, I... Um... I had so much fun working on Topside with Josh, and it, it was kind of uh, one of those pre-COVID uh, gifts because Josh and I um, met a couple of times and were hanging out in New York, but we really had like one. <laughs> I don't know. If it was like uh, this is like my my narrative of it, but we just had uh, a really great night in the East Village one time after. Uh, watching an actual live play, uh, uh, The Hunger Artist, which uh, Josh worked on with an amazing team of artists. And I went to see that play, and we ended up hanging out late at night. And you know, you can, the way- you can tell the truth. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was like, I was trying to, was or like, a, ver- a version of the truth. We, we hung out at a, we hung out at a secret bar with a bowling alley uh, that Josh also kind of like created. Uh, which you know we can't the location shall not be disclosed but also it's been shut down for a year so what are you do? um but we we ended up hanging out into the night and bowling in this crazy weird uh bar um in the basement of a you know place and um and we became you know we just had to kind of hit it off so and then like weeks later we were thrust into quarantine and i was watching the stuff josh was making from california i had to travel over there to um, was with my partner kind of taking care of family in that first moment when there was so much uncertainty. Um, uh, and yeah, started thinking about like how to stay active and how to keep making work that had a full design component and how to continue writing and collaborating. So, um, after Topside, we had such a good time. I've been kind of trying to, you know, 
uh, pitch Josh on some other ideas. And yeah, this, uh, this notion of uh, of blood meal kind of came out of those discussions. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad it did. I really, really, really like this piece. I've said it a lot of times, but I, I just, it, it, it ticks a lot of my boxes. I'm a huge like Twilight Zone fan and I love the, the snappiness of this piece. So let's talk a little bit about it. Blood Meals work by Theater in Quarantine, uh, and it surrounds uh, the lives of Sam and Lindsay, a couple that has been disguising their blood-sucking insect infestation with canned cheerfulness, all in a desperate attempt to avoid having guests over and having them discover the romantic and entomological turmoil running through the relationship of this isolated couple. Sound familiar? Yes. Uh, So I (laughs) really, really... uh, appreciated both how topical this piece is, but also how enduring it is. It, it really uh, kind of gravitates around a lot of feelings of like social shame, uh, the stakes of like interaction and our personal space. Um, and it also fits really nicely into Scott, your body of work, as I understand it, you know, in its capacity to prompt these really resonant social commentaries through these, these canny parallels. Um, Scott, how did this piece come together for you? Um, and, and, and what were your ambitions in making it? Well, I really appreciate the the setup on all that because it is kind of one of my strategies to try and kind of like find my way through some back door to talk about things that are resonant and happening now without talking about them directly, <laughs> giving giving some some breath and some like space for us to access them in a in a in a perpendicular way or a backdoor way. So, um yeah, in a lot of my creative processes in the past year or so, there's been just a lot of things happening around um, the performance of, uh, you know, being okay or being healthy or being progressive. And there was just a, there, there was something different than, than before in the way in which that was being played out and the way in which that was kind of changing the way that people would talk about things in groups. Um, we came up with this term in another room called slippage towards absolution. Mm. We started to notice this like slippage towards absolution where everyone uh, wanted to make sure that they were absolved of any wrongdoing um, in their, as they progressed through the world. And sometimes that was very much like, how I'm handling COVID or how I'm talking about social justice vis-a-vis art making. And there was a kind of, in in those circles, there was just this, it it wasn't exactly looking like, let's make, let's look at cancel culture directly, or like, let's look at, um, you know, the politics around Trump and his misinformation directly. But there, we were more interested in like the ecosystem that, that the ripple effects of that kind of ecosystem and I feel like Sam and Lynn's are a satirized, turned up version of the people we uh, are afraid we might become if we allow that slippage towards absolution to to rule our lives rather than some kind of, you know, actual grappling with the problems at hand or, or trying to live authentically through them or face them or something. So, yeah, the 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 insect infestation um, we definitely talked a lot about houses and spaces and, um, you know, the paranoia and the shame and the anxiety around bedbugs specifically, but there was this kind of sense all along that it was, it was getting us to these other 
these other truths about this this moment in 2021. It's funny, Scott, because I, I feel like actually for a long time it was really bed bug rooted. Yeah, uh, you're right. That came later. <laughs> that like snuck yeah. its way in when we were like, what is this? What is this really about? And it kind of was always lurking there, but it, it wasn't until much more recently that we that I was like, oh, that's what this is about. Yeah, because we were because there's so much exciting stuff just with the bugness and like bugs and body horror and all sorts of like videos on the internet about squirmy things, mm-hmm. which are there too. But you know. <laughs> well, a little bit about how we work at theater in quarantine uh, as some context, uh, because we're working. I mean, at the time we were doing shows every other week. Uh, you know, our pipeline is is actually pretty short because we're always looking for what the next thing is going to be. Scott came to us, I want to say at the end of the summer, uh, uh, approached me about doing something new. And only around, I don't know, October, November, did we actually start to meet up and and look through some pages. Uh, We rehearsed the piece entirely uh, over the course of three weeks uh, before the premiere, uh, with, of course, Lee Minora, whose name has not been mentioned yet, so we should say Lee's name, uh, because uh, the other sort of major thing about this particular piece is that it's a two-hander. Uh, principally at Theater in Quarantine, we've been doing one-person pieces, uh, mostly because it's easier that way. And uh, it took us sort of a, there was a major technical leap to be made in order to get audio sync to work out. Uh, in order to involve a second performer in a remote space. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Totally. And the fact that we actually had a piece of software written specifically for us that made it possible for us to do a two-person show. I'm so happy you're bringing this up for a couple of reasons. First of all, Lee Minora stunned me in this piece. I I am Linz. I have uh, politicked my, my house to that same degree. <laughs> Um, And the technical wizardry of this piece is part of what um, makes it so fantastic to watch. Um, And a lot of those, the elements of how did they do this fall away really quickly while you're watching it. Um, And you get really, really absorbed in the story and uh, kind of the stakes of the interactions between these two people. But it is a tremendous feat. And it was recorded live, (laughs) which shocked me and looking at it so can can we talk a little bit about so so there there are two closets actually right yes yeah there's a closet um in the downstairs theater at la mama experimental theater club and then josh's closet in josh's apartment now, my closet is an actual closet and and the la mama closet is one we built uh for some earlier pieces uh so that's a freestanding closet <laughs> And so, and then talk to me about this software that, uh, is, is this around some of the video design uh, components that are happening, this, the stitching of these uh, kind of multiple video feeds together? I, no, I was going to say those are actually two, two, separate, two separate things. Um, Alex Hawthorne, um, who is a brilliant sound designer, uh, wrote this software for us that allowed us to sync. And then Josh, why don't you talk about the video? Sure. We use a program called Isadora to do all of our video processing. It's you know, actually an old, a theater program for projection that's principally used for dance for a long time. Uh, and uh, 
we've sort of turned it on its head a little bit because it, it used to be a program where you would do video processing for live performance uh, on stage. And we've inverted it to become, you know, our production studio uh, where we can do uh, live performance and then send it digitally to YouTube. Uh, so that's where we do our video. Uh, but as Katie Rose said, it's sort of two different uh, two different systems. Uh, we bring the video feed in through Skype uh, and the audio feed has always been the uh, the trickiest thing to sync up, uh, as so many people have complained about right now. Uh, we usually have to rely on things like uh, Zoom or you know whatever uh, video conference software. Uh, but this new software by Alex allowed us to uh, measure and control uh, the delay from at multiple points along the stream uh, and uh, adjust them in order to allow Lee and I to actually uh, effectively talk to each other in real time or something really close to it. Uh, and so that was the trickiest part of this entire process. Uh, and I'll be completely honest and say it dominated the rehearsal process. Uh, we were very lucky uh, that, uh, you know, our team was, was sort of capable to just like jump in, make choices. Uh, you know, I pulled some late night stringing it all together uh, at, so that, you know, once the, the audio system was working to the best of its ability, uh, and that's a whole other story, uh, we could kind of concentrate for what, like two or three days on actually putting the, the piece together uh, the way you saw it. Uh, but again, that was just with the audio working to the best of its ability because it did keep on failing until the de the night of. <laughs> Isn't that the way? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you would never know. You truly wouldn't. And, and I, I was so impressed with the work and the ability to not feel that I was watching digital theater. Um, I think we all make certain like, I don't know, uh, assumptions and like maybe concessions going into that experience. And those all fell apart for me immediately. It's just really, really strong work that uses uh that asset maps kind of the digital environment rather than uh trying to replicate a live theater experience just really fantastic work it's great that you say that because that's actually something that we really work hard on at theater in quarantine is a making sure that liveness is like first and foremost on our minds and on our audience's mind and it's something we actually talk about in rehearsal every day um, and then also that we that we are making something, you know, essentially new, that we're not trying to replicate a theater experience because you can't replicate, uh, you know, being in a room with people in this digital space. So what we're trying to do is create something new that uses the best parts of theater that we know and love, um, but but makes it wholly new and, and more exciting. Well, I think you're you're. You're hitting the mark. I'm <laughs> really, really, really happy. Uh, I, I just I don't get this feeling as often as I uh, as I'm used to, right? Of going and seeing a work and just walking away and feeling like, oh, you know that that just smashed it, <laughs> knocked it out of the park. And that's the feeling that I get watching it. So everybody at home, please go check out Blood Meal. It's on YouTube. Um, and how can people best support you all uh, moving forward? You you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, which is, you know, youtube.com slash theater and quarantine. Um, you can like us on all the social media platforms. Um, also on YouTube, there's a link to our Fractured Atlas page where if you're feeling generous, you can give us 
uh, some donations to keep making our work, but really subscribing on YouTube is, is right now the best thing that you can do. So I just want to kind of transition here and talking a little bit about the future of the company. Uh, what's next? And have you considered, of course, like, um, you know, once we are out of the most limiting part of the, the COVID experience or uh, once we're able to safely gather together, um, what what role might these pieces serve then? And how might they be differently contextualized? Um, will they always live on YouTube in this space? Have you had thoughts about exhibitions and other things? I'm just really, really interested in uh, how this project lives on, um, both in its current iteration and then uh, post-COVID, whatever that means. Well, you know, my feelings about this change daily uh, with the news, I feel. But uh, we've, you know, we, we like to think that the work will continue living on YouTube. I mean, I would also hope that it becomes more than just a time capsule to the past mm. year, uh, because I, I don't think digital theater, as we know it, is going to go away. I think it's just going to keep evolving and, you know, potentially transform or has the potential to transform into something of a new art form. Uh, and so we're really excited to be experimenting and playing in that play in that sandbox right now when it still has hasn't quite found its its function or utility yet uh so uh we are hoping that we're going to continue working in the digital space but we're also trying to see if there's room for uh, a hybrid version of the work where the audience can not only see the digital end product but the the live what I consider the most theatrical part of the process, which is the actual like making of it, uh, you know, seeing the sausage, it, like what I see in my apartment is particularly dynamic uh, because again, we're playing with gravity so much. We're compositing multiple performers. Uh, the, the process of making this work is just really fascinating. And, and so we're hoping to kind of create uh, a, a theatrical experience that allows us to show uh, both sides of the work. Oh, I'm so excited for that. And I, I also just want to point out, I mean, the the strides that you're making in terms of uh, just advancements in the field of how artists can collaborate, flattening proximity to a certain degree really opens up this huge, huge world of, of who we can collaborate with, of what stories can be told. And I'm just deeply impressed by it. I imagine those things will continue to, to, to be useful to you in person or virtual. Yeah, I don't think we knew that we were capable of it until now. I mean, Scott's pieces always somehow make enormous demands on our system. Uh, Topside, uh, <laughs> starting with Topside and then, uh, of course, with Blood Meal. Uh, and so it's always really exciting when we get out of a Scott project, it's like, oh, wow, there's so much more possible now. Uh, so yeah, suddenly distance, uh, isn't as much of an issue as it had been. I mean, and what's wonderful, I think, of course, that the best thing to come out of this year, uh, is the accessibility of performance, uh, you know, digitally, anyone can access this work. Uh, but now we're sort of you know, reaching this this new phase where suddenly like, oh, wow, we can we can create work with performers across the country. Yeah, it just opens up so, so, so many possibilities. Oh, man, I am going to say it again. Please go watch this piece. All of our listeners, please. You will really, really enjoy it. Um, I did. I know. I know you will. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts before we go into some of our, our, our closing uh, information here? 
thanks for having us on. Uh, keep keep watching theater in quarantine. They're going to be doing lots of very exciting things. I'm sure in the next however many days slash years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you all for joining <laughs> us. Thank you, Katie Rose. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Katie. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to say thank you. And you can check out our next show, which is Closet Works with Pieces. Um, we're doing a premiere by Josh and I and Colin Kelly and Brian Bowes. And that will be on um, on February 25th. Please don't miss it. I will be there with bells on in the chat saying nice things. Uh, thank you, Katie Rose. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Scott Shepard. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for this episode of Happy Hour on the Fringe. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and download the Fringe Arts app. Thanks again to our guests from Theater and Quarantine, Joshua Geld, Katie Rose McLaughlin, and Scott Shepard. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>